The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, and it is so great to have each and every one of you along with us today. And today we're going to meet with a pair of podcasters who host the Kinky Cocktail Hour. You'll hear an amazing story of how they came together and how their life became the podcast. Let's meet our guests today. Saffir Master and Lady Petra are a lifestyle BS couple in a 24-7 TPE. Both Lady Petra and Saffir Master are lifetime coaches, and they offer kink relationship dynamics coaching through their website, ladypetraplayground.com. They co-host the Kinky Cocktail Hour podcast with over 600 episodes and closing in on 300,000 downloads. Lady Petra and Saffermaster are also the North American distributors of the new German sex toy, The Slub. Let's hear about podcasting and sex toys with Lady Petra and Saffermaster on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time your eyes met and what you thought of each other. <laughs> you uh, better say first. Uh, no, I think you should. <laughs> okay, I'll go. <laughs> um, wow. I'll, I'll really like put us in a situation. We met after several months of talking, I think at a Marie Callender's of all places in their lounge, right? This is real people. And note, he met me on his birthday, which ah. I was like already taken by that because I was like, who meets some stranger on their birthday? Like you must have plans. Um, and I was really nervous. I got there early. I was, found a place to sit, was positioned, waiting, you know, a lot of things going through your head. And I see him, I see, well, actually one guy came in before him and I was like looking to see if he was looking for someone. <laughs> and I was like, God, I hope it's not him. <laughs> and then Saffer came in and just his body language, period. I was like, oh, 
And then of course he saw me, I waved or something like that. And he came over and I was like instant glued to his eyes. And all those conversations before like culminated in that moment of like, oh, wow. Yes. Yes. Already just by the way he held himself. I think mm-hmm. um, I am a switch, so I'm dominant to everyone else. But but when I'm looking for my dominant, I'm looking for someone who exudes that in just their being. They don't have to say anything. It's the way they hold themselves. And mm-hmm. he did that. So yeah, that's my story. Yeah. First time you realized that your kinks were compatible. Ooh. Well, that was earlier. So I had taken a really deep dive into my kink journey to figure out who I was as a kinkster, what I was looking for. And I got present to the absolute certainty that I was a dominant sadist. And I had resolved to find a partner with whom I was sexually compatible. And in, I created a seeking post and Lady Petra responded to it. But she was a little bit concerned about the, the sadism and the masochism component of this you know, potential future that she had never experienced. And so I had to examine the conversation, is she potentially able to explore masochism as a kink? And so I created a- um, A test. I created a task, you know, I'd been tasking her for a few weeks and I created a task for her to test her obedience and to test her discipline and also to test her predilection to be able to find arousal in pain. Mm. And I had her use a fresh piece of ginger and fig herself, like juice it up nicely and fig herself while she masturbated and meditated. And she had to come, she had to have three orgasms and she had to have a, um, an experience of an out-of-body experience with the the meditation. I didn't tell her what she had to have. I just kind of had that expectation. And she sent me the video that she was supposed to take of the experience. And I was walking my dog in the park and I get this text and I have to find shade because it was a summer day like today. I had to find shade to like watch it. And just watching that video, I made a decision in that moment that I had to meet her because our sexuality aligned. Yeah. And that was 30 minutes of garlic up the ass. That's a serious commitment. Ginger, excuse me. Yeah. (laughs) Garlic would be one other thing, but ginger up your ass is a serious commitment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was the moment I figured it out. First time you thought about combining cocktails and kink talk. Oh, wow. That was early on because we actually would seen almost every day. Yeah. Yeah. Various scenes and have high protocol scenes on the weekends. And we would, because of Saffer's uh, commitment to understanding us and our alignment and trying to discover me as, as, as his submissive, um, he, we would have a debriefing and it was the evening always usually. And uh, we would have a cocktail and and then shortly as we start to do this, we kind of say, hey, we should maybe record some of this for posterity's sake because our journey, like we're, we could tell we were transforming, or at least I was. And the conversations were really interesting. There were these really 
you know, thoughtful explorations of relationship, of kink, of sexuality, of each other, of desire, of plans, you know, all of it was wrapped up in those debriefing conversations. And it was in one of those conversations that I think I said to her, you know, we really should record this. This is really good. And so we have, we, we got a, um, a cell phone and we just started recording the conversations. And then we thought, well, this should be a podcast, actually. And so then we thought, okay, how do we, how do we make a podcast? You need a hook of some kind. And, you, and she's, at this point, she's already pursuing her commitment to become a sommelier. Yeah. And so she goes, well, you know, we, we have a cocktail and we have kink conversations. We just call it a kinky cocktail hour. It's simple. Yeah. <laughs> just pretty organic, actually. Yeah. First time you knew that the kinky cocktail hour was reaching the public. Oh, well, that's interesting. You know, mm. we get unsolicited, um, I guess you would call them reviews. People send us like messages. That we have no idea they're an actual listener, which is kind of hard because you don't always know who all your listeners are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, outside of that, you know, the way that it occurred was we published the first episode and we were like, well, well probably nobody will listen to this. And, you know, before we knew it, there were a hundred downloads. We're like, holy cow, there are people potentially listening to this. <laughs> and, you know, we watched the downloads like hawks for the next few months. Well, now we're knocking on around 300,000 downloads. And so we don't look at that much anymore. But at the beginning, we used to pay a lot of attention because we couldn't actually compute like so many people were listening to these conversations, <laughs> which is really our intention. You know, our, our, whole, our whole viewpoint is to demystify kink and sexuality. And the best way to do that is to have an actual frank conversation about it and not mm. bring an agenda to the conversation, but just, a, just a, an inquiry. And so for us, you know, we don't do the podcast for anything other than our own journey. Like we're actually exploring our own journey mm-hmm. in the conversation. So even when we're interviewing somebody like yourself or somebody like this fellow Dex, you know, we're, we're curious about the kink and the sexuality, but for our own purulent interest. And we've taken a lot of what we've learned in these conversations into our dynamic. And so the fact that there are millions of people listening to it now is really fascinating. And I'm excited. You know, a, a guy reached out to me on Twitter the other day and he said, I just found your podcast recently and I'm frantically trying to catch up. I started at episode one one of season one (laughs) which is crazy if anyone knows us we're crazy (laughs) podcasters we pod almost every day yeah Mm -hmm. so we have like 600 episodes and um but he said you know i love what you're doing it really is amazing you know we have this dynamic i have a bunch of questions maybe you've dealt with them (laughs) and thank you so much and i'm sorry to interrupt your day (laughs) you know but we have literally a thousand like really grateful, positive, thankful reviews from listeners who got unsolicited. That's the thing that's, that's important to me is that we don't know who our listeners are. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you just get this vicarious message through email or through FetLife or through Twitter. And I'm like taken back, like it takes something for someone to stop whatever they're doing in their life to actually show acknowledgement to you and hope and then they're usually um, apologetic, hoping you have time to read it. Yeah. And we read everyone. 
Yeah, no, it's really been wonderful. It's been a great experience for us for you know at least one reason, which is that it makes us have a conversation even when we're not ready to have a conversation, yeah. you know? So it makes us sit down and, and do that. And that's just a- That's a connection. Just a commitment that, you know, is to our connection. And so that's 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 been the journey really. Yeah. Easy one to finish up the first five. First cocktail you had on the show. Oh my God, I knew we, he was gonna ask this. We have a favorite cocktail. We have a favorite. I don't know what my first one <laughs> I think was. Oh my God, 600 cocktails ago? No, oh it, was, it was the first one. Was it? Did, okay, yeah. okay. Because okay. the very first episode, was, oh, we was used COVID. the COVID juice. COVID so, juice, yes. Yeah, it was anti-COVID juice. We yes, it. <laughs> it basically is our still to this day after that many cocktails. And I almost, we have some repeat sessions, but really I've made over 500 new cocktails. And- Anti-COVID juice was, is basically our straight dry martini. And we have, since that point, we have distilled it to a point where the recipe is perfect. Like so perfect that we, we're pain in the asses when we go to restaurants. Cause we say we want a martini, but it, this is how you make exactly it. <laughs> like this. Exactly. And like, we haven't found anyone that can do it yet, but cause it's in, it's an easy recipe, but it's very particular and it comes out. I mean, quite honestly, it's perfect. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's a gin martini. We use Tangeray gin. It's an eight to one ratio between gin and vermouth. You use a couple drops of orange bitters, but the secret is to squeeze an orange peel over the top of it. Express it. Express yeah. it. Now, of course, the martini has to be stirred, not shaken. Definitely. And, and it's got to be served in ice cold glasses. But actually, the point is that, you know, Lady Petra's, um, ability and skill level in making cocktails has really been honed. She now has literally personally made over 500 cocktails, wow. different, mostly different cocktails. And for the first several um, hundreds, we would, <laughs> we would take the, the, the best five cocktails from the previous hundred episodes and compare them to each other and choose the best cocktail of the hundred. <laughs> now, and mind you, that's a day on a weekend when we might have 20, 20 cocktails, cocktails. Yeah. So. <laughs> over two days like it's yeah yeah by the time you hear that podcast i'm like she's, loopier than loopy just sloshed yeah, yeah. so we, we we sort of took a different tack the last time but the point is that out of all of that we have routinely selected that gin martini as the best cocktail we've ever made it's like a go-to yeah mm -hmm. and one of the one of the reasons one of the um criteria is that can you drink it every day and that's one you can actually drink every day. Yeah. We'll talk more cocktails and more <laughs> kink and maybe even a sex toy or two when we come back yeah. on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Have you ever had the joy of being wrapped up in a cocoon of spandex where the idea of movement can only be fantasy. It is amongst the most beautiful feelings ever. 
that feeling of that tight material hugging every part of you. Well, our friends at Winter Fetish want you to experience that sensation and are offering listeners of our show 10% off spandex sleep sacks when you use the code www.spandexsleeps and you will help the show as well with your purchase. I dream of being zipped up and held in one of these amazing sleep sacks and I think you'll enjoy it too. Enter the code www.spandexsleeps at checkout when you visit winterfetish.com. Pleasant dreams. From the bold and the beautiful, to boy meets world, to liberating herself from Hollywood. Maitland Ward has an incredible story and she shares it with us. When I was trying to be nice and fit in that box, less people noticed me or gave me respect, especially like after my fame on the shows and everything, like later years, middle years, I guess. <laughs> um, but then when I like on social media and I really have social media on my fans and the press to uh, think because they gave me a platform to express who I was and to do stuff I wanted to do. And once I started to be really authentic about myself and to be honest, about who I was and just have fun and be be who I am, that's when people really started to respond. And I think that's a lesson that everybody can really learn in life and anything. I think people really respond to authenticity and that's a powerful energy to have. Maitland Ward on the premiere of season three of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, Tuesday, September 20th. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the program. I'm John, also known as Catsuit, joined by Saffir Master and Lady Petra, the hosts of the Kinky Cocktail Hour, and the American distributors of a new German sex toy. Okay, yeah. I'm interested. What's it all about? This is so great. You know, um, we interviewed a um, mistress from England who was, the, the conversation was about ball busting. And we had Mistress Diana Von Rigg on our pod. <laughs> and we had this really fascinating conversation about ball busting. And she was, she was super vicious, you know? And <laughs> I asked her at one point, well, do you do anything that involves pleasure? Is it all just pain? And she said, no, 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 I do give them pleasure, but not the way you think of. I give them pleasure that's really intense and doesn't let go. And I said, oh, well, say more about that. And she goes, well, I have this wonderful machine called a slub, S-L-U-B-B. It's a German sex toy. It's really intense. You can take people up to level six, but I've only ever gotten anyone up to level one. And it even makes- Four, four. Or level four. And it even, yeah. makes flac it even makes flaccid men come. And I was like fascinated by this. And so we, we finished the conversation and I got the- um, connection for the manufacturer and I reached out to these these two German brothers who had invented it I'll come back to that in a second and he said to me well look we don't speak English it was all on Google Translate we don't speak <laughs> English so we can't really come on the podcast but a bigger problem is we don't have an American distributor 
And so, you know, he asked if we would consider being the distributor. So we had, we got into a conversation with him and it took, uh, it took about two months to negotiate an agreement that would let us be the distributors of Slab in the US. And, you know, once we got that consummated, then we had to go through importing product and dealing with all of that and creating a new company. There's like a lot of, you know, business around it. But the thing that makes this thing amazing is that these two brothers are master roofers in Germany. And what they were doing was they were fucking around with power tools on their cocks. Um, After and, hours. You know, just with, the, with each other. Like I would hope it brother. wouldn't be during hours. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think there, It we, is Germany, what, though. <laughs> what would OSHA say about that here? I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> yeah. And he realized that the vibration was really powerful and that men don't really have a powerful vibration tool. And so he started playing around with it in his studio or in his, in his workshop. And he, he ended up putting a piece of rubber on the end of a power tool, a reciprocating saw. And he brought the saw without the blade, just the, the power part mm -hmm. to his cock with this reciprocating tool vibrating the rubber. And he wasn't sure how it was gonna feel. He was kind of scared. He was kind of scared. But what happened was he had an orgasm. Like and really he quickly. Thought, he thought, you know, it's actually more gentle than I expected. And it's really powerful and it's super arousing. So he went to work inventing a more workable tool for this potential sex toy that he created. And, you know, he did some research and he hired a product design, design person mm -hmm. and he, he sort of worked on materials sourcing and all of that. And they ended up building the attachment, which is the slub. Slub comes from sling and rub. And so um, they built that. Then they had to find a suitable power tool. So then he spent three years in this process trying to find a power tool. The problem is that a lot of the power tools are too powerful. Yeah, like a Home and, Depot one. You don't want to hook this up to Home Depot. Yeah, and a lot of them are <laughs> too heavy and a lot of them are too noisy. So mm -hmm. he had to find a tool that was workable. And he ended up finding a tool and, and working out a production deal with a factory in China. And uh, when I interacted with him, he already had done all that work. And then on top of that, he'd got it patented in eight countries, including the United States. Mm. And so um, he created the opportunity. We said, yeah, we'll just play with it. It'll be fun. And, you know, so we took it on. And I got to tell you, like, as a man, having an experience of vibration like that for the first time was literally mind-blowing. It was literally mind-blowing because, you know, women have vibrational to toys and have forever, but men really haven't had a true vibrational toy or vibrational experience of like like the the kind of vibration the woman has with the hitachi men have nothing like that well and i had said from my experience mm -hmm. of going to different types of sex conventions mm -hmm. when you go to the trade show part i was always you know i'm going through and i've seen all the great toys for women and granted people will always say well those same toys can be used on men and i get it you can put a vibrator up against a man. It, I've done it. it. It happens. But this was very specific to men's anatomy. Very specific. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I said, you know, when I, the last one I went to is in San Francisco. I said, you know, they had fleshlights. They had the POV where you do the fleshlight with the POV, things mm -hmm. like that. Right. But I said, there's nothing like this. 
There's nothing like you being able to hold your own junk and do this without you touching yourself, except the toy. Women do that all the time. I have fingers. I can self-manipulate my own bits, but it is fun to use a Hitachi against my bits because it you can then close your eyes and imagine it's something else. And that was not accessible enough for men unless they did some kind of manual work with the unit. Yeah, so it really offered a, a brand new experience. But more importantly, he had had the experience of the pro-dom community really taking to this thing. In mm. Europe, yeah. Like really taking to it because it's it works as a great edging tool. It works as a great forced orgasm tool. It, it, there's a lot of power. And actually, if you think about a Hitachi, the, the Hitachi peaks out at around 6,000 RPMs. And this thing can peak out at around 18,000 RPMs. So it literally is, you know, significantly more powerful than the Hitachi. But you don't actually need it at that level of no. power because mm. at its lowest level, which is around 5,000 RPMs, it's really stimulating to the penis. One of the things that really attracted me to this toy is when she said that it can make even a flaccid man have an orgasm. So it turns out in the penis, you got two sets of nerves. You got one set of nerves that's related to erection and you've got one set of nerves that's related to orgasm. And the orgasm nerves live toward the head of the penis. They're buried pretty deep and it takes an, it takes an erect penis to bring them to the surface. So if you don't have an erect penis, it's hard to have an orgasm because you can't stimulate those nerves. So what the um, slub does is it super intensively powerfully creates stimulation for the erection part of the, the thing. You know, she, when she did, when she used it on me, she observed that the degree of arousal of my penis, the, the girth of it was way more profound. So, so I'll step in here because I was the one viewing. Um, <laughs> you were just laying back enjoying. Yeah. But as, you know, when we switch like that and he has me top in that way, um, I get pretty intensely dommy. And when I'm in that mode, uh, I was overwhelmed, visually overwhelmed by, I was just very slightly at the base of the penis, just very slightly moving it, letting it do its thing. I was on a low number between one and two. And it was just like, <laughs> the cock got huge. So as a woman, I said, oh, women will love this <laughs> because yeah, some people want a cock this long, but let's be honest, who wants their uterus bruised? Not me. What we want, the G-spot's really close to the front. We want that girth to come in. Yeah. And I saw that and was like, oh my God, that is the Mecca. You know, that's what people, <laughs> and then of course, you know, because I'm there to experiment with him. He's never had this type of feeling before to then take that girth and then move to the glands of the penis and work on the orgasmic function. I mean, it was mind blowing. It's, it's really powerful. It's a great tool. And, and the thing of it is, is that when you consider the, the realm of men in this country, and you have, for example, 40% of men at age 40 suffering from some form of erectile dysfunction, and then it goes up by decade, 50 at age 50, 60 at age 60, 70% of men at age 70 suffer from some form of erectile dysfunction. And who wants to not be a sexual creature at 70? Yeah, and, and, and within that umbrella of erectile dysfunction, 
there's a particular disorder called ejaculation disorder mm -hmm. that the medical profession today currently deems untreatable. And it's not inconceivable that the slub can reverse that diagnosis mm -hmm. from untreatable to treatable. And if you can help somebody have an orgasm by stimulating them with enough stimulation, even if they can't have an erection, because oftentimes one of the side effects of say prostate surgery is you lose your ability to have an erection. Um, and it's, it's not inconceivable that for those men, this might be kind of a life-saving tool from a sexual Holy grail. perspective. Yeah. Well, and even just the idea of being able to stick, you know, you could stimulate yourself, you can give it to a partner and have them have the control over you. Uh, I think the possibilities are endless. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, yeah. it's really a new experience for men to have an opportunity to have sexual stimulation like that. And I think the way people imagine it will create opportunities. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that the pro-dom community in Europe was enjoying this. And Very much. I, yeah. I have seen so many scenes on video where women have forced orgasms and it actually looks pretty amazing. Right. Uh, I know my listeners know that I have this tremendous fascination with the female orgasm. Right. And the whole body orgasm and things right. like that, because I didn't have much of a sexual life through my marriage. And now I'm starting to try to see, recapture some of that sort of stuff. We all have that but, in common. Yeah, we do have that in common. <laughs> but my, uh, what I'm really hearing here is many of my guests on this podcast have a possibility of having something where we can go, I can now do that to a guy. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And if you think about some dominants are like, strictly no, I'm not touching you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just their, their presentation or they're gloved or whatever. Mm -hmm. They can do this and still maintain that. Or on my side, if it's with Sapphire, I can worry about letting the base get thick and orally play with the top of the cock, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's a really, the imagination runs wild. Yeah, the pro-dom community is very, um, very much on top of it. And, and little by little, we're starting to add affiliates here, pro-affiliates. I saw you added former guest Ada Vaughn. Yeah, she yes. just joined today. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, she just joined today. And um, she was an early adopter of the, of the slab. She actually got one of the really early versions where she got the attachment and went to the hardware store to buy a unit mm. to use it with. Now, we don't sell it like that anymore because... We want to make sure people have the right power. And they're safe. And they're safe to use, <laughs> right? But she was an early adopter, so she was very excited to be able to connect with us because we're going to get her a, a current unit in her hands. Mm -hmm. But but she's an example of Adama. We had, you know, we've had, we pro, I think we've only been doing this for a month or so. We have like seven or eight affiliates so far, all pro-doms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And of course, we sold to clients. <laughs> Of course. Well, it's it was uh, your wonderful PR person who brought us together, even though we've been trying to get together for ages it's true. to be able to do this show. Yeah. You all have an amazing dynamic between each other. You share right. a lot of it on FetLife. Yes. You share the joy of it. 
And of course, my fascination comes from the fact that you all are a living example of what so many of us would like to have, which is that beautiful relationship where not only is it a 24-7 power dynamic or power exchange, but Lady Petra, you also have this dom side to you as well that you experiment with and you're able to have so much joy from. Mm -hmm. For someone who can never take kink for granted even playing one time, what is it like for you two to be able to live this kind of life and live it so beautifully? You know, it's a really fun, it's a really profound question, actually, because mm -hmm. both of us come from a, a lifetime of failed relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we built our relationship on top of our sexual self-expression. Mm -hmm. We actually intentionally created our relationship with sex as a foundation sexual alignment as a foundation well, sex forward yeah we're, we're sex very forward. sex forward instead of being like let's get a relationship and then let's have sex or let's do a a, a pickup play and then okay we kind of like each other too so we'll make it work we really were very intentional about making sure our sexual interests Al aligned yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and so we're sex forward king forward and then we were also very intentional about creating relationship and both of us, because we came from these really long-term, unfulfilling, really unhappy marriages, we made a choice at the beginning to be responsible for our dynamic and to be responsible for each other and to not allow space to occur between us. So we just have a very basic foundational agreement, which is there's no space between us and we're responsible for that. And, and just that little simple agreement that we made forces us to take on our dynamic newly each day. And we do it in a completely present way. We really try and be present. So the question you asked is, what's it like? It's amazing. It's amazing to have a relationship with another human being that's just so fun and so sexual and so intelligent and so curious and so inquisitive and so ex you know experimental. It's just like, it's it's amazing. It's amazing to find intimacy and vulnerability and love in a way that was completely unavailable to each of us in our previous lives. So we both feel like we're living a dream, quite honestly. We pinch ourselves. Yeah, definitely. I feel blessed. I wouldn't use, I'm not, I'm a spiritual person, um, uh, not religious, but I've used that word more in the last four years um, because we even do a gratitude Practice. Um, practice every evening in bed. And, and so our, our day is bookended on how we create the dynamic newly each day, the way it starts, the intention and tasks that are done in the beginning, all the way through the day, and then how we bookend it with our gratitude. And um, kink, our kink is communication. It has to be because to keep it at this level, like the things we're experiencing of energetic sex and People have talked about us having, when they talk to us, that we're having some kind of Kundalini awakening. I don't even know what that is truly, but I'm just <laughs> saying for me, yeah, it's energetic. I never in my life would I have ever known this existed. Would I have ever thought that I could have access to it? But because we are so 
committed and intentional and present in our dynamic and responsible every single moment, like from moment to moment is how I live. That has created an opening for us to experience life and our experience as sexual creatures in a way, I'm, I'm gonna just say it. I don't think, I think few people experience this. Yeah, it's incredible and it's beautiful and I love it. I love every minute of it. You know, I don't have any doubt of, in any part of our experience together, you know, and it comes just from literally being present with each other completely. But I want to say this, it's very intentional. Like I hate to use the word it's work because it isn't work. I don't feel like I'm working to keep our relationship in this heightened state. And they always talk about limerence. Um, if I'm saying that right, uh, fades after about a couple of years in a relationship. I don't know. Ours has only gotten more extreme, um, heightened. And I think that's due to people relax within relationships, within dynamics. Uh, they become Completely. who they always are is, you know, cause we, we put on our best airs early and who we always are. And I remember early on sitting across the room because I had done that my whole marriage and I didn't want to live that way anymore. And I remember sitting in a chair, I'll curl up in a ball, kind of afraid to tell him. And I just said to him kind of out loud, out of the norm. I just, I'm just, who. this is who I am. This is just it. I'm WYSIWYG. This is it. This is all it is. There's nothing more. I'm not going to be anything else. I'm not going to put on airs. I'm not going to be ultra feminine or this. I'm this. So I can't understand how you like this, right? Because you struggle with your identity on this is a whole new relationship out of nothing. It was created. And yet he was there to be a trusting soul and to honor me in that way, to allow me to just let go of that. And when those trappings are, are let go and you can actually be you who is always good enough for your partner and that your partner wants you to be you like really not just words, like really be you. It is profound. Like I didn't even know you could have a human could have access to this. Well, I mean, we all go through life the way we go through life. And a lot of the way as human beings that we go through life, we're very inauthentic. We pretend to be things we're not. We go through life that way. And what we made the choice to do was be authentic with each other all the time, like completely authentic. And, you know, for that to happen, we literally have to have an umbrella of our relationship that says there's nothing wrong. And what that allows us to do is deal with what we call what's so, like what, what's actually the concern, not the story about the concern, what's the actual concern. And, you know, it's not like we don't have conflict because we're human beings, right? Mm -hmm. But we have a way to interact with conflict that's very, very productive and we get to the bottom of it and we get complete about it and we move on. But, you know, we both hold our relationship in really high regard and we're each 100% responsible for it. So it's not like it's my responsibility as her dom to make the relationship work. And it's not like it's her responsibility as the sub to make the relationship work. We both have to be completely responsible that the relationship works. Right, it's not 50-50, I'm 100% responsible for it. And so is she. And so that allows us to have conversations that go like this, you know, there was a, she came home from work yesterday and I was getting ready to, you know, with dinner and I was just observing that she was really like wrapped up in her phone for a minute. And so a little later I was like, 
well, you looked really concerned. Is everything okay? Right? Because I like I made a story about it, right? And she was like, yeah, I was just dealing with this running thing. I'm trying to figure out my Strava, whatever. And I was just sort of wrapped up in that. And, and I said, okay, great. Like, it's good for me to know. Like, like, you're not ignoring what I'm up to. You're not ignoring me. You're not like withdrawing from whatever it is. You're actually paying attention to something that's of importance to you. And that's great. Good to know. And I can let it go and it's gone, right? Mm -hmm. But as, as human beings, what, what would have happened in, in an ordinary relationship would be, I would be pissed that she wasn't paying attention to me in the kitchen while I was like trying to cook and she was on her phone. And then I would be, I would carry that piss to bed. And then in bed, I probably wouldn't hold her the way that I normally do. Or, and, or snap at me in you other know, ways. That's how relationships go. And we just said, we're not going to do that. We're just not going to do it. And that's just a little example. I want to bring up and expand on two things that you were talking about. First thing is being in the moment. Yes. I have often said on this podcast and said to friends that there would not have to be one sexual part of the world available to me if I could live in the moment yes. when I do things. I totally agree. And my kink addiction is about finding those moments yes. because when I am in a kink space and I can feel that I go away for a while because I've had to be the person that's responsible the rest of the time. Sure. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful because I think we're very, I'll say the word again, blessed that we both were on the same page for commitment into the dynamic because we say relationship because we're, you know, we're in a TPE, so it never turns off. And, and I get that question all the time. When do you take a break? And I, and I think to myself without trying to be judgy of someone asking that I go break, break. What does that mean? Break. And I do know what they're talking about, but I tell them, well, there is no need for break because this is my life. This is a chosen life that I've created with my partner. Yes, we are still dominant submissive. I love that part. My chosen partner in that sexual expression of myself is exactly that space. And so even in my journey, distilling out that I was not just a slave or submissive because I was trying to win that submissive game, um, you, I couldn't be that because in my professional life, I'm extremely dominant. And so there's an expression of myself authentically that I need to ha still have expression of. And now I've started to bring that into my sexuality. But what's been great is it opened up windows for Saffer too, in the way as a submissive, he can use me in ways to please him. Yeah. I mean, in I, think, other ways. I think what happened for us, honestly, is that the, you know, we're hard players, right? We play hard. We're very kinky. And you can't be in what we're up to without being present. You just can't be there. You literally have to be present to have that full body experience that you described. For us to have a scene where, you know, we're both experiencing energetic orgasm, that doesn't happen if you're not present. You have to be present. That carries over into other parts of our life. It carries over into the way we interact with our guests on the podcast. It carries over into the way we interact with our cocktails. Mm -hmm. 
It carries over into the way we interact with each other in the kitchen. It carries over to when we go for a walk and stop to take photographs of flowers. We're present. We're trying to be present in every single moment. Which is a whole different way of living your life. Like to be, to pay attention to everything that's happening right now. And you know, when we get to the end of the day. We're spent. <laughs> she often says to me, you know, we use the whole day up. And the we did. used. Yeah. Because yeah. we literally use the whole day. When you're present, like the day just goes by. And it feels full. I feel like, I mean, not to be morbid, you don't want to talk about dying, but like my days are full now. There were points in my marriage, because I was married for 30 years, um, where like you'd think when you're so unhappy, like if I passed away, would anyone know I was gone or even care, right? Um, and that doesn't even come up in my head, like what other people think. What it is, is, oh, Today, I saw the most beautiful hydrangea and it's my favorite flower. So it's like the most beautiful, perfect round hydrangea. Like that's bliss. That's bliss. Mm -hmm. That's what it is to be on this wonderful dirt ball that we're destroying right now. That the idea is I'm blessed to be living in this time right now here because this is all we got. We're not getting off and live it as fully as possible because you never know what's going to happen. And it's not doom and gloom. It's literally taking life and hanging on as hard as you can and living into the moment every second. Yeah. Does it help, Lady Petra, that you have a dominant side to you that you can express? Because you said you don't have time off, but does that time allow you to more greatly appreciate what you have when it's received by you? That's a good question. I think we are who we are. So if someone was all submissive, they could live into this life existence and be fully expressed and fully living fully. And they might come back and say, I feel complete, complete with 24 70. So I can't really speak to that. Cause I've, I now discern myself as a switch, but I think I, <laughs> I get the best of both worlds, quite literally. I get to play on both extremes and in the middle, and I'm comfortable anywhere with what I think is often for humans, just a yin-yang of cyclical motion of your sexuality, your energy levels, your interests at the time. Um, it allows me to morph in a way that fits for me. I'm not morphing for someone else. I'm actually morphing in my own life that reflects my own cyclical patterns. And um, I was at the beginning when I discovered I was a switch and I couldn't deny it because once you see it, you can't unsee it. I was a, somewhat shaming myself like, this is terrible. You should just be one or the other. Why are you so different? I'm not a good submissive. I'm not a good enough submissive. Yeah. <laughs> I should be a slave then and just you know put myself away in a cage. But that honestly, with my agency, I think I'll just say, I think it's attractive to Saffer for me to have agency to pull a little bit on him to uplift him in ways that he wasn't expecting from someone that might be different. And well, let me just say one thing. She's a submissive, not a doormat. Right. She has agency. Yes, I definitely. She's, she has, there's a lot of power in her submission with me, but she also is a very responsible, you know, you know, professional coach to others. And in our relationship, we've created a coaching paradigm 
to give people access to what we have access to, mm -hmm. that she runs as the dominant person in that coaching relationship. So, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not perturbed by, concerned by, concerned with, worried about her dominance because this bag of protein over here, like <laughs> yeah. I love the whole thing, right? <laughs> and she gets to be self-expressed. Like I was, I'm a stand for her full self-expression. And I think and it also allows my two ends when they're on, they're at a heightened state on where, because I am fully expressed and uh, it makes me feel more attractive. I know I'm more attractive. I, in this sense of a whole being on this planet. So it's exciting, super exciting. I remember, I think the actual moment that my marriage took a turn. Mm -hmm. And it was when I was performing improv in a showcase mm -hmm. in Seattle, right there on University Yay. Way Yay. at the old uh, bright yellow building that used to be Jet City Improv, but they've turned it into something else these days. I, I'm sad to see that. But I was performing musical improv and I was just a crazy man on the stage. Didn't care if I made a fool of myself or not. And that's always been the kind of person I am. And I came off stage and I looked at my wife and I said, did you enjoy that? And she said, I don't think I could ever be married to the man up on the stage. Ooh. And I that said, was, wow, that's funny, honey, because the actor is the one that comes home mm -hmm. and yeah. plays dad and plays husband. Plays. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. very yes. important. Role playing. And, it's very interesting. I said to my wife, right about the time we're getting divorced, mm -hmm. and I had a real interesting realization. I realized that for 30 years, I'd pretended to be her husband and she had pretended to be my wife. Mm -hmm. But my point here with you two is you all are living your authentic life. Yes. Unapologetically. Yeah. To the fullest 24-7. Right. It's amazing. It's something that most of us can only imagine. Well, you know, we created it from nothing. It didn't exist to live into every single occurring was something we had to conjure up out of nothing, right? So- Against the norms of society, against what yeah. our own marriages were. Yeah, in the face of no agreement, we had to have a conversation. And because we believe that life lives in language, we took the language and we talked about what is it we want to have the experience of with each other, with the world, with our interaction. And, you know, we just declared our relationship into existence. You know, the United States was declared into existence. It didn't exist, then they declared it did. Now it exists, right? Gandhi declared India's free. And then India became free. It comes from a declaration. So we declared our relationship into existence and your declaration gives you your pathway into action. That's so, the key. And so the actions we take are all given by the declaration. And it's really what we are committed to and not attached to. So whenever things go awry, we look at what are we committed to? And what we're committed to is being here for each other completely and to 
like uplift our experience of our loving dynamic together. Like we actually have found intimacy and vulnerability and love that wasn't available to me and to her in our marriages for 30 years. It just wasn't available. Well, if you think about the marriages, we were always on guard, worried about how we were gonna be hurt. But we got to a point where we became clear about vulnerability and Saffer started it because he got probably, to be honest, clearer than I did. I, I, well, thought, I, I thought I was clear. I, I was telling him I was clear about vulnerability. <laughs> <She> was. <laughs> uh, I was very certain and righteous that I was on vulnerability path and that he needed to hurry up. Uh, <laughs> but then he came up and made a statement of saying something to the effect of, I'm going to be really vulnerable here to the point of, I'm going to give you my heart in one hand and your a knife in the other. And you can do with whatever you want with it. You may choose to stab it or whatever, but I have to be willing to allow you to be in that state to allow myself to let go and be vulnerable. Yeah, because I spent my life not, not allowing anyone to get close to me. Hmm. And so here was an opportunity to get close to another human being. And once we, you know, once I collared her, once we got to that part of our relationship, now we were committed to being together because mm -hmm. for us, coloring wasn't like a play color in a kink scene. Coloring is a committed dynamic. We're committing ourselves to a 24-7 total power exchange dynamic. And so, you know, everything that we had done up to that moment gave us access to intimacy. Mm -hmm. And that intimacy gave us access to vulnerability. And that vulnerability has given us a pathway to find a really true loving dynamic that's just out of this world. It's out of this world. And personally, I've been someone who has always been totally vulnerable and open to relationships, but I've found them hard to come by because a lot of times people go, there's no way he's like that all the time. Right. right. And right. they're surprised that I am. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, you know, the answer is the answer is that there's somebody for whom your way of the world is completely aligned with theirs. Like that's that's where that lives. Do the math. Yeah, I did the math. So this is how this started. It's pretty funny. I, I did the math, right? I said, well, okay, so four percent. Let's see, how did it how did it go? I think something like four percent. I can't remember the numbers. Four percent of the world is kinky, and there's this many kinksters and this many people on fat life. And I just did all the math. And it turned out there were like a thousand people on Fat Life that are completely aligned with me. A thousand. All I had to do was find one of them, right? Because mathematically, you know, if you reduce everything down, there's like so many million uh, kingsters, and if 1% of them are attracted to you and you're only attracted to 1% of them, that's still like a thousand people. Mm -hmm. So somewhere in the just on Fat Life kink universe, there's a thousand kinksters aligned with a thousand kinksters. And so it's just a question of finding that right person. There's definitely somebody with whom you align and your access to vulnerability is scary to people. Hmm. It's not like they don't trust you. It's like they're scared of their own vulnerability. Well, it confronts mm -hmm. their own vulnerability yeah. or lack thereof. That's you what know? it does. And, and so I think one of the things that helped me because I, had distilled that I wanted something way different than my marriage. And I wanted to explore my kinky nature because I'd already been playing online with dominance. 
Um, and so I kind of keyed in and you have to understand, like, I didn't know I was a kinkster, but I didn't go to, uh, dating websites. I went to kinky chat rooms mm. <laughs> without even knowing because I was already doing kinky acts already, but, and was told by my married friends that I was deviant, you know, in my marriage, <laughs> um, because I did other things and that I didn't hold sex over my partner's head as a weapon. Um, now I wouldn't prescribe to my marriage at all because it was abusive. However, I learned so much in that in myself that when I went looking, I went looking for something specific. And the key was when I went looking and let's just, I'm not going to put down FetLife, but FetLife is where we often exist, kinksters. Mm -hmm. And so I went looking, of course, there's dick pics and all these things on people's profiles and, you know, bless their hearts. They, they want to be an exhibitionist, but maybe your first picture shouldn't be that. Maybe I should see a picture of you that interests me or intrigues me. And then I choose with consent because I'm choosing to go look further. And then it's on me to, if I look further. So dick pics, let's tell you guys, were automatically a no, like immediate no, like they could have been really great humans, but I was a no. And women use lots of words. I use a lot of words. Probably today I've used a lot of words. And women want language to describe possibility. And so if you don't put anything into your about, like creating a possibility that someone can see themselves living into and can place themselves in your writing, uh, you're not going to get this kind of quality. It's just not going to happen because when I read his, even though I could fully see it, another submissive on his picture, he was engaged with all these other people. When I read his about, it stopped me in my tracks. I was like, no, this is not possible because this is every single thing I want. And then I read it 15 more times. And then I said, well, I can't unsee this. If anything, he's not available, but I must, I must message him because what he's just said is something I'm looking for. And maybe he knows somebody, or maybe he knows where to point me in the right direction on my journey. But I was not about wasting time. I got out of a 30 year marriage and said, my life is starting now. Now is the time to find happiness and find what I want. And that whole I would say now courageous path I took to reach to him led to this mm. and it was never going to happen unless I jumped in and went after it. It's true. Yeah. Just a fascinating story. And when we come back on what women and other wonderful humans want presented by dating kinky, we're going to talk podcasting with some people who've done a few podcasts when we return. <laughs> have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports no not the jet ski kind and you really want to fulfill their fantasy but you're nervous that's totally normal i'm kate sloan i'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like cosmo playboy and glamour and on my podcast the dildorks my new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. 
Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Back on the program, joined by Saffir Master and Lady Petra, the hosts of the Kinky Cocktail Hour, more than 600 episodes. I know that I have trouble doing one a week. And you all are the podcasting machines. It's true. When did you decide you wanted to do so many? We, we well, didn't know. We didn't know. We, started. we didn't know. We well, so, so this is what happened, right? So we seen every day. So we talked every so day. So we talked every day. Had a cocktail every day. Had a cocktail. Yeah. So we just we just recorded every day. Mm-hmm. And then when COVID hit, she was working from home. So we literally did. We literally just did that every day. Mm-hmm. And, and really dove into our kink and there was a lot to discover yeah right um she was new to the kink world i was a little bit experienced in it but you know there's a lot of people i've never talked to there's a lot of kinks i've never talked about there are a lot of fetishes i'm not even aware of so you know having conversations with kinksters was like super interesting for both of us you know and it invited people into our home during covid it like did, we yeah. got to mm-hmm. ha- at peace we got to feel social like covid although horrific event we felt that it gave us time as a as a tpe couple to completely bond and connect Mm -hmm. and learn about ourselves and then top of that wow we're having a cocktail and talking with friends other kinksters it's like having a munch it's like having a community all over the world yeah so we literally created community in that space and that was why there was a lot of attention to it because we were not podcasting as a intention to podcast. We were podcasting as an outcome of our dynamic. Mm-hmm. We seen every day, we debriefed every day and we talked every day and that's how it started. And then pretty soon we ran out of topics because <laughs> we're doing it every day. We're like, well, we should maybe have an interview with somebody. So we started reaching out to Kingsters to talk to us. And I was very surprised at how willing Kingsters were to, to talk about kink. That was great. And little by little, I mean, I remember probably about um, six or seven interviews in, we're just at the beginning of the interview process. I reached out to this guy named Mako, who does the Big Little podcast, because mm-hmm. my idea was talk to other podcasters, mm-hmm. right? Let's find out like what, who they're talking to, what they're about. So there was, my, my intention was to really be more of a, um, 
uh, voyeur to learn how to podcast better, right? So I wanted just to talk to them about it. And he said, you know, I've been listening to your podcast, which blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyone. We're like, what? You're here, you yeah. know? And he said, you know, it's, it's a really great concept. It really is. You're really authentic. And I love it. And I never miss it. And yeah, I'll definitely come on your podcast. And so that was like the first indication to me that we, that we were on the right track. Like we were really on the right track. If somebody who, who had over 800,000 downloads was telling us, that we're on the right track. That seemed mm -hmm. positive. And we've actually developed a really great friendship with him and supported his production of a, an app called WeMinder, which is a, an app for dating, uh, for discipline-based couples. I could say behavior chart app for discipline-based couples. Really, really positive. And, you know, that whole experience of our uh, journey was very organic. It was, it was never intended to like build a podcast audience or anything. Right? It was just it was just about having a conversation about demystifying what we're up to and like getting really sex positive and sex curious. And you know, we've talked to all sorts of interesting people. We've talked to sex workers, we've talked to um, podcasters, we've talked to artists and so forth. We've talked to public figures. You know, we've just we've just been it's been a really great way to connect with the world through sex and kink. There is never any way to say, hey, who was your favorite guest? And that's the most over-asked question anywhere. It's true. My favorite Here, guest is the guest we talked to right now. Yes! <laughs> Here's the question I do have for you. Yeah. Was there a guest that really surprised you in mm. the way that you connected with them? Mm the way we connected with them. Yeah, I think, you know, it was interesting. We talked to this guy, Dex, who is a long lived um, leather kinkster from the East Coast. He's been in the lifestyle for, you know, 30 years and he's really investigated it deeply. And the way that he talks to us and the way he shares what he's learned and the way he thinks about everything so deeply. We found that very surprising. Mm -hmm. And whenever we go back to him, he always says, oh, I'm so glad that I'm back on the cocktail hour. I always learn something when I come on the show with you, which, <laughs> which is amazing to me because he's the most knowledgeable kingster I've ever had Met. a conversation with. Yeah, right? yeah. So I think he was the most surprising. It, it, he's surprising because you have to imagine he's an expert in single tail uh, whips and anything about that. And, and what he does so thoroughly when he's interviewed is not just talk about the process and offers the videos so people can learn and he has books written, but that he talks about the safety. That's one of those things that we always watch out for when people are describing different kinks that have risk, higher risk, is are they even able to address properly the safety precautions mm -hmm. that are involved? Because consensual kink is also risk averse, if, if at all possible, and safe, right, for your partners. And so he's really into that. But what was crazy is, so we hear all these things about whipping and caning people and a little bit about bondage. And then one day we invite him on and he's excited to talk about wax play. And we're, we're sitting to each other like wax play. It seems cool, but it can be messy. You got to have a space for it. You know, we live in apartments. So we're like, okay, this will be interesting. No, no, we had no idea. He went into this 
And it was like, I would just say if it was a woman speaking, she was creaming herself as she's describing the wax and how you do the wax, the kind of wax, the way you melt it and the temperature yeah. you have yeah. it out. It only starts with 40 pounds of wax. Like That's 40 how pounds of wax. Right. I mean, this is a professional who I he just he's all in. And we were very aware, like, wow, talk about being present. He's all in right now. Like he's going to give everyone the real recipe, like how you really do this and the ways you can think about it differently. And it was, it was amazing to hear someone in that yeah. state feverishly telling you and, and running out of like, I don't know if we have enough time to tell you all the things. And we'll, we said, we'll have you back, Dex. We'll have you back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's been great. We've had him on several times because we learned so much from him and he's such a good guy. And, you know, one of the things that's been really interesting is the the gay experience has been impacted by the loss of a generation from AIDS. We talked to this guy, Rocket Rob. We actually, I think he's probably the guy we had the most surprising connection with was Rocket mm -hmm. Rob. We talked to him and he shared so much about the gay experience. But what I got present to was how the gay community has lost a generation of knowledge. And like Dex elders. is like elders, right? Yeah. And like Dex is one of our kink elders. And he has a he has a, a relationship with the experience of King through thirty years that he can share, mm -hmm. you know. And so there's so many. We've talked to so many really interesting people, and we've connected with so many interesting people. There's a guy in England named Mr. Smith who's a pro don, <laughs> a king, a king for cash guy, mm. and he just cracks me up like dental dental yeah. play and medical play and military play. I mean, he's. It's just um, phenomenal to hear, especially when we go to other countries too and hear those guests, there's different standards there and how they mm -hmm. approach it and the way society approaches that. It's, it's been fa fascinating. Yeah, we talked to Mistress Diamond Blue and she shared about her mm -hmm. life and her cancer and so forth. And, we, and she wrote this amazing review of us. You know, it was really like touching to, to be so related to other human beings just through a conversation you know and then we got to meet her at domcom which was uh, so like that's such awesome. an amazing thing to meet someone in person like really mm -hmm. i've talked to you how many times and now i see you yeah and that's what i'm gonna get to do coming up at fetcon yeah uh which uh, i think i'm gonna i think there is at least 40 guests that i'll be able to meet for the first time oh, which will be really be cool brilliant. well i don't know about yeah. fetcon where is it it's in saint petersburg florida it is it is for fetish models what DomCon is for ProDoms. Oh, gotcha. oh okay, got it, got it. And we might so, try to get to DomCon in, in, Louisiana. in Louisiana. Yeah, in yeah. yeah, yeah. But I've been actually talking to to Jay, who yep. you you all know. Uh, Jay is their PR person, and talking to Jay about trying to bring my interview talents to DomCon to be able to do panels to get to get people to really understand what these doms are all about in a way that hasn't been done before nice. i could totally see stories being told in in a wonderful not only one-to-one -one way to do it but also in a panel way to do it where they can compare stories and talk to each other right. oh so that's I'm, so great i'm keeping my fingers crossed that if it doesn't happen this year that it might be able to happen for domcon next year because nice. that's what I think that's the direction I would very much like this to go in is that we get to go do live events and 
uh, I've been so blessed with people who have actually contacted me to be on the show. And right. there are people that I'm like, I know who you are. <laughs> right. And yeah, when, you, get that. Yeah. when you discover people who know who you are, you're just like, how did you find me? I know. And so it's, it's pretty beautiful. Give us, and this might take another hour, but give us all the different things that you all are up to and the best way to find out information about them. Right. Okay. So if you're interested in kink relationship dynamics coaching, you want to go to ladypetraplayground.com. And on ladypetraplayground.com, you can find a link tree to everything else. But if you're interested in the slub, you can go to slub-usa.com. You can reach out to either of us through email. You can reach me at sapphirebaster at gmail.com. If you're interested in talking to Lady Petra, she's Lady Petra at Lady Petra Playground. Lady Petra Playground at gmail.com. Yep. If you want to reach out to me about being a slub affiliate, it's slubusa at gmail.com. On Twitter, I'm master 206 Saffer S-A-F-F-E-R, or SlubUSA. Either one of those will reach me on Twitter. So those are all the ways you can reach us. And we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. It was absolutely wonderful having you on the show today. And I'm always uber jealous that you all get to live in Seattle. I miss it so <laughs> very much. Well, it's this- 95 here today. I yeah. heard. <laughs> We have our three days of summer right now. Right now. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Always happens right around July or August. (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us. And we will definitely catch up very soon. Yeah, thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. It was so great getting to talk to that wonderful couple who live a life that so many of us dream about. I've had the opportunity to be on the Kinky Cocktail Hour and was able to visit with them somewhat there, but really getting to know them through this podcast. And if you're interested in the slub, you might have some fun with it. I encourage you to hear some of their episodes because it's always a great conversation. And that will do it for this edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I'm John also known as Hi There Catsuit, I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.